It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we did uh, find out there was a boy on the scan at about 18 weeks. And I was maybe a little bit disappointed because I just had expected it to be a girl. But no, I got used to the idea quite fast that it was a boy. And I mean, it was a child and I was pregnant. So that was more important. But then uh, when I got pregnant again, I didn't want to know the sex before the baby came out. Because I didn't want to be disappointed without knowing that little person because I knew that I would love the person no matter what so I just wanted to find out the sex when the actual person was there in the room with me mm. and well the first thing I saw when they held up the baby was just two giant purple balls <laughs> and then <laughs> and then I knew it was another boy Maria's preference for girls came from a pretty understandable place she has two older brothers, and since they've all hit baby-making age, they have been turning out boys. So she's pretty much surrounded by testosterone. And when she got pregnant, this seemed like her opportunity to even the score. But when two boys came out, she started to worry in a different way. What if she didn't relate to them? And that fear has only grown during the Me Too movement and the made an online culture that seems primed to pollute the minds of adolescent boys. I mean, I get where she's coming from. I had some pretty bad ideas while I was growing up too. Maria probably has some reason to be afraid. And as her boys get older, her anxiety is spiking. Hello and welcome to Man Up. I'm your host, Eamon Ismail. And on this show, we crack questions big and small about manhood. This week, a mom opens up about what's so hard about raising boys. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I am thinking about how I can teach them to uh, not do like things, me too things, mm. how they can yeah. yeah, not cross other people's boundaries without even knowing because that's just, well, the norm of the society. I don't know, share, share dick pics on uh, Snapchat. <laughs> not, not dick pics, but if they get a naked picture of a girl down yeah. the line, that they yeah. don't send it to their friends. Or purple balls pics. Yeah, purple balls picked. <laughs> yeah, I sent that out. No, I didn't. Oh, no, I didn't. We didn't take a picture of the purple balls. Oh, God. <laughs> I think we'll thank you for that Yeah, later. but I think I'm scared that they're going to yeah step over the line and don't respect people for who they are. Yeah, it's really interesting that you bring that up. Um, yeah. Because I don't have any kids, but I do one day hope that I have kids. Kind of mm. leaving that up to my wife to like... Yeah. 
after the whole Me Too thing, mm-hmm. I, I feel two ways about it. The, the first way I feel about it is like, yeah, thank God these people are finally being held accountable. It's about freaking time. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, I feel like it's inspired this other uh, resistance among men, especially online. You know, there's like incel culture. and mm-hmm. So that's the one thing I worry about is we're going to have the internet. And if you're not being careful as a parent, how could you uh, guarantee yourself that they won't fall into that in the future? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking a lot about that, too, because I think it's scary. It's very scary. Mm. There are only two and four, so I haven't really... I don't know if the big challenges have started to come yet, but I'm very aware of uh, whenever I like read to them or sing to them, and I always... I try not to make gender uh, such a big part of the stories that I tell. Every time I read a book, I try to not say he or she if I read a book about... Uh, say animals I just take away he or she so that I don't gender the characters in the book just to not make male the norm if you know what I mean yeah when I was growing up my version of like story time was like religious stories and like the stories Mm. of all the prophets so I'm Muslim so there are like a million prophets so like you can tell a different one every night and uh yeah so they were all men and even when we talk about God it's it's also like he doesn't like yeah. this or he will judge you based on this so yeah. i don't know i still feel like i'm i'm still working through those effects so that's interesting that you're trying to not yeah. make them feel like the whole world is male uh yeah. so you said that earlier that you're there's still like some bigger challenges that you foresee coming down the line let's talk yes. about those challenges well i assume that for boys it's hard to talk about say emotions it's harder to well it maybe it's a little bit harder to be who you are mm. if you're not the like the norm of what a boy is supposed to be what if you don't like football mm. are you going to be bullied do you have to play football to be able to like be the way that the society tells you that being a boy is mm. and um yeah i'm just scared that they're going to be scared to be themselves and that they're going to shut down a lot of the sides of who they are because Mm -hmm. they don't feel like it's being accepted by their peers and by people outside our family or within our family. I mean, I don't know if I can accept all sides to them as they grow up. I hope I can, but I don't know. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. like They aren't only being influenced by what's happening in your family. They're also being influenced by media and music and everything around them yeah yeah and peers and peers when they start school and yeah so (laughs) yeah i mean i was exposed to that like i want to call it like locker room talk you know what i'm talking about um yes when we were like it was all boys and we're talking about the girls that we knew and we'd be like using vulgar language Mm. and even though I had like very strong women in my life, like my mom was very determined and my sister was the smartest person I met in my entire life. That wasn't enough to pull me away from wanting to feel like part yeah. of the in-group, you know? Yeah. Like, how do you protect your kids from that pressure to conform? Yeah, I don't know if you can. And I don't know if... Uh, is it good to protect them from, I mean, is that just part of growing up? Yeah, you can't just say don't it, play sports no. or don't hang out with boys. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. And don't uh, befriend people and don't <laughs> have all these experiences that make you come out on the other end. And I mean, you turned out okay. <laughs> Even though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's because I went when yeah, I went to college. Uh, I started yeah. making real relationships, like real friendships yeah. with women. Mm. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just want to know if you have a plan. Like, have you made any decisions about what you're trying to, like, how you're trying to mold your kids? Yes. So my uh, ultimate goal would be when they are the age where they may, might play football or soccer and mm -hmm. they are in a room where there's just boys and the locker room talk starts. Uh, my goal would be if my one of my kids actually managed to speak up and say, I don't like that we talk about women like this and just be stand up to it and have the self-worth to know that I can say this and I will still not be left out of the group. I'm still valuable, even though I say these things and maybe help guide the people around or the guys or girls around them into not doing that. Yeah, hopefully we can both get some advice on this. After the break, a mom who's been there breaks down how she handled it. And also, I just want to quickly remind you that we're always looking for guests to come on the show and talk about how they too are a work in progress. So if you think that's you, call us at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or you can always email us at manup at slate.com. Stick around. Maria, um, I wanted girls too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Shehnez. She has two boys who are now mostly grown. And as someone who has gone through the exact same scenario, she knows exactly where Maria is coming from. I did have boys like you. And of course, you love your children regardless. Um, I had those fears because I grew up in a place where women were told, you know, you had to get married early. You know, there was no education. And I fought all those norms, right? I, you know, I rebelled a lot. So when I had the opportunity to have boys and to be surrounded by boys, there were different ways in which I approach things. So we heard a little bit about Maria's story. Is there any actionable advice that you can give her now? Something that she could do while they're still babies to engineer their lives so that they can be a little bit yeah. stronger when, in those types of situations? I definitely think that emotional um, support in the sense that allowing your children to have uh, emotions like crying, right, like empathy and like compassion are very, very important. If you can cement those things and removing the shame attached to it because they're males, right, I think that's the first step in moving in the direction where, you know, males can uh, feel like these emotions are set for women or these are, you know what I mean, are set for males. Mm. There's another thing that I'd like to talk about, which I think is really important. It's a deconstruction of power, mm. right? Mm. I think that power has been constructed in all societies, right? Whether you look at through government or through families, right? It's very patriarchal. It's very male, right? I didn't work. I went to school most of my, uh, you know, my married life and, you know, raising my children. But I did things like if there was cooking involved or if there was kitchen work involved, mm. everybody was involved, 
right? Oh, mm. cool. Um, when my kids were 12 years old, I taught them to do their own laundry. And I told them that you can't take advantage of me just because I'm female. I'm not going to do your laundry. You can forget <laughs> about it. Um, so cool. I think these, like, just breaking down these gender roles, right, and making it inclusive to everybody in your household is very important. And that should be the norm. Mm. You know what I mean? This yeah. will extend itself outside into the, like you said, you want them to go into the locker room and say, this is not right. Then that's where you start. Mm -hmm. You start at home. Yeah. And I am trying to, like you said, that you have to maybe yeah, start with yourself. I am working to, yeah, to show vulnerability, to show my kids when I'm wrong, when I've mm -hmm. acted out and maybe I regretted it and I say sorry to them. And I work with my relationship with their dad and make sure that we have that treat, treat each other with respect. And so I try to do all these things. And I mean, now I'm just very happy that I have boys because then I've mm -hmm. had to like meet my prejudice against a lot of like masculine things head on. And hopefully it will make me continue to grow and be a better parent. Oh, that's really interesting. I didn't know that you had to confront any prejudices that you had against masculine oh, things. Well, yes, I might have. Can we, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Say, for example, in my family, there are only boys in the next generation. So we don't have any girls, and I'm well. I'm scared that, that they're just gonna make a boy league, and that they're just gonna <laughs> be very competitive and build stuff and play football and chess and all these things. Where I don't feel like I have anything to uh, come to bring to the table, mm -hmm. so that I'm just gonna be a dull woman that they don't respect. So I, yeah, I notice when they have some older. Um, some older nephews or I have some uh, some older cousins and whenever they become competitive I'm like no you shouldn't win you shouldn't try to come first why do you do that and when I th think about that later on I'm like why I mean competition can be a good thing I mean it's that's what kind of drives the world forward that people want to do better and try better and mm. so I'm just yeah I can relate, Maria, um, when you said, like, you have certain, like, I don't know if it's biases, but I think maybe they're just fears, mm. right? For me, they felt like fears. So the way men display specific, and I put that in quotes, right, gender, <laughs> you know, like male gender traits to me is a way for me to have conversations with them, mm. right? I'll give you some a really funny anecdote. Um mm. In our restaurant, I own a restaurant, Maria, and I work with my brother and a bunch of guys. Um, so they were watching football. I have no idea about anything about American football. Mm. Nothing, right? So my brother's talking to me like I'm supposed to understand this language. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided consciously that I would join in. I started learning. I started, you know, he'd say, you want to bet this? And I was doing, and I did an intellectual <laughs> approach. I would bust out all the quarterbacks and running backs. And, so I was teaching myself. Um, and it allowed me to enter that space and be able to hang with the guys, if you will, mm -hmm. and, you know, continue to have conversations, if you know what I mean. Um, there was football players who were brought up about, like, sex charges and rape mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it allowed me to, like... I know about football, so <laughs> let's talk about this dude, right? And and you can see the appall on the guys' faces. You know, this is not right. And you have younger people there, right? So you have these conversations in front of them. 
And that's what I think is important in all aspects of our life, right? Even if you don't know something or, you know, learn it, enter that space and have those conversations and be that person who gives a different perspective, mm. right? Or who will take it apart and say, hey, well, what about this? Doesn't have to be hostile. You don't, you will never, not all the time, you won't agree all the time, right? But you entered that space and you allowed people to think. That's amazing. I love that. I feel like by having those kinds of conversations in front of especially younger men, you're also teaching them to dissent. You're also teaching them to be able to say no. Or mm-hmm. You're in a way displaying the kind of courage that they're going to need later on when they're in that locker room type situation or they're with a group of guys who are catcalling women. You're teaching them how to be like, actually, mm-hmm. like, this is an opportunity to talk about this other perspective. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love that. Maria, what do you think? Yes, I think it's very interesting. And I think that, uh, I think it would be really good for me to, I don't know, start a sport or learn how to drive a boat or to just, yeah, start with myself because I am, I do have a lot of, I'm scared of a lot of things. And maybe the key to unlocking that fear is to just do it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) try something new, you know, teach myself something new so that I, have something else to bring to the table yeah and that i can be a different voice in the mix mm-hmm. yeah one of the things that comes up t- in my mind when we think about like raising boys post me too is the subject of consent like uh i know one of the maria's worries was about having their sons be the type to send dick pics mm-hmm. or send and in their case like purple ball pics mm-hmm. uh like, how do they, like, was that something that you ever worried about? And if so, like, how did you talk to your kids about that? Well, we talked about dating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we also talked about, do you know what rape is, mm-hmm. right? You have to explain these things. In their mind, they have a different view of what rape is. Mm-hmm. But rape can come in many different forms. So it's kind of like, let's talk about rape, first of all and what your understanding of it is. And then let's talk about relationships. If you are seeking a relationship or if you're with a, you know, a young woman or male or whatever, um, what is it that's acceptable and it's not? Because they have to understand the difference because our culture, popular culture, teaches rape, right, as something, right? Um, it also teaches that Certain things aren't rape, yeah. right? So we have to be able to, you know, sift through the bullshit, yeah. if you will. Let's sift through the bullshit, and then let's have a real conversation about this. Yeah. So that's how I approached it. Um, another I question I have is, I don't know, it kind of feels testy and uncomfortable to broach the topic of gender and gender norms, especially when you're young. How do you do that with young kids? And when do you do it? I think uh, Maria was saying that she was like reading to them and and doing these things. I didn't do the same thing you did, Maria. I just read whatever was in the book. (laughs) Um, But I didn't, I, you know, if I saw something or I heard somebody saying something, for example, about, well, the men shouldn't be doing, you know, this or why don't you get up or or he should be sitting in the front seat. um, I'd actually shut it down in front of my kids. I refuse to stay silent. 
And I think that's an example. You can start really young and you don't have to be hostile about it. You just have to be very open and honest about these things as they're happening in your day to day. And then your kids will get hit a point where they might have questions for you. I don't think we need to necessarily, um, you know, have like a full blown. It's an everyday thing where I think it just happens in daily examples. Right. And as you raise them that way, they'll come to a point where they have questions about this because of already their experience at home or in school. And that's when you can have deeper, longer, more honest discussions about it. Definitely. Yep. And I've, yeah, and I've, I will hope that I've started now by respecting their bodies. I'm not forcing them to give out hugs. I'm trying to read their body language if I'm tickle them and we're like rough playing to see when they want to stop and respect if they say no. Mm. And likewise, mm. that I say no when I don't want to do more anymore. So I'm hoping I'm laying like a ground for that. Mm. And I definitely want to have an open conversation, yeah. And I, as I said earlier too, that I was, wish that if they're in a situation and that they will have the wits to stop if they see that the other people, that the other person doesn't enjoy it or if they don't enjoy it themselves. So yeah, mm -hmm. talk to them. I'm definitely gonna, that's my goal. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I still feel like what Maria was talking about earlier, this, she said that she was scared that her boys would be scared to be themselves. Hmm. I thought that was really powerful. Uh, I can think back to a thousand examples of my life where that was true for me. I mean, not just when I was playing sports, but also, you know, and wanting to belong to any kind of social group. There's still like this urge to get the joke and make people laugh and have people like you. And so that didn't make me feel like I needed to change who I was, but I felt like I was being influenced to be mm -hmm. a particular kind of way. Right. So I wonder if you have any advice on how to teach your boys to trust themselves and know who mm -hmm. they want to be. Right. I think they're all going to be pressured. Amen. My kids went through, I'm sure, the same thing. And I know of several times they were, Ramzi was severely bullied mm. uh, because of his age. I mean, his size and age difference um, because he's Arab, male, Muslim, and it was a predominantly white school. Mm. Um, so I think that, you know, being pressured into specific spaces, even to joke about your own people, for example, like you said, like to joke and laugh at the same jokes that are making fun of your own people. Um, I know my son did it. And I would talk to him about these things. I also discouraged physical violence. And I told him that, you know, he would have to be able to, unfortunately, sometimes have thicker skin, right? And the only way you can have thicker skin is if you're very comfortable in your skin. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like those those fears you were coming from a visceral place from Maria, and it sounds like they were coming from a visceral place from you too. Coming from a place where women were urged to get married young and wanting to kind of support a man while they did the quote-unquote real work or the valuable work that they got compensated with money. I wonder if, um, like, you were ever worried that you were just going to be raising sons that were going to be doing the same. No, I had absolute... I reject that. Mm. I rejected it from the So you the decided from day one. Yeah, I was like, nope, my kids aren't going to be like that. I remember um, one time, just give you an example. You know how the schools do like 
take your kid to work day. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, you had to bring official letterhead and all this stuff. So I decided, Adam says to me, mom, can I stay home? Can I stay home, you know, and work with you? I'm like, yes, you can. So <laughs> I, I printed up this really cute letter with this woman and this feather duster. And it was like, mom's LLC, right? <laughs> and it was, it was a complete deconstruction of this whole idea of taking your kid to work in a office environment or whether it's like plumbing with daddy or whatever. And I wrote this really, this interesting letter. I wish I could remember all the words. <laughs> and I posted it to Facebook actually because I thought it was really funny and it was fun. Mm-hmm. And my son brought it in really proudly to school. And when he came back, he's like, mom, all the teachers were passing it around. <laughs> they thought it was so cool, right? I think you have to surround them with that stuff. Mm. So, so you um, need to like be that person first. I think so, and I think you have you need to be confident about the things that you that you believe in mm-hmm. first. Um, I would take my kids to um, a lot of nonprofit organizations, um, events, and you know, um, I shared with them stories of the things that I would be working on. Um, I shared with them, like I said, stories of my own um, that I think that they could learn from and they would benefit from. No, they don't have another female in the house, like a sister, but they do have a mom at home. So, Maria, what do you what do you make of any of the advice that you've gotten so far? I think it's very interesting to hear uh, all the things that she's saying and uh, yeah, telling stories for myself. I'm definitely trying gonna do that more. Mm-hmm. I do a little bit, but try to do that more. And yeah, just like working on myself to show them by lead by example. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to do and just try to continue to grow and face my prejudices. And hopefully, I will accept them as who they are yeah. from now and up through the years. Yeah, we're only yeah. talking about ways to steer them in the right direction, but yeah. in the end, we're talking about parenthood. So, your yeah. your main job is to just love the crap out of them. Yes, and I definitely do. <laughs> they are the best human beings I know. And that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. And if you're enjoying it, please hit us with that good rating in your podcasting app. It's a free show, so come on, you got nothing to lose. Also, we still need your help to figure out what we're talking about next. We're looking for folks who wouldn't mind coming on the show to explain how they too are a work in progress. So if you think that's you, call us at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or email us at manup at slate.com. And don't forget to make sure you're subscribed because we've got new shows every week. And believe me, you do not want to miss out. As always, Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. It's produced by Cameron Drews. Our editors are Jeffrey Bloomer and Loen Liu. Gabriel Roth is the editorial director of Slate Podcasts. And June Thomas is a senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. We'll be back next week with more Man Up. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.